This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. You may have heard the term greenwashing, where a company inflates or intentionally misleads on the actions that they are taking from the environment. I mean, let's face it, customers, employees, and even investors are demanding that companies do something about the environment. A 2020 McKinsey study found that 60% of customers would be willing to pay more for a product that aligns with their environmental values, while a Nielsen IQ survey found that 78% of American consumers said that a sustainable lifestyle was important to them. Companies see those types of numbers and see green, but sometimes it's the green of cash that interferes with sound decision Hence, greenwashing the product or company in order to get that premium without doing the hard work to really transform. Greenwashing is tough to recognize though. So today, I'm diving into six ways companies misrepresent their activities. From green hushing to green shifting. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or about how long it takes my son to go from alarm clock to bus in the morning. Heck, if this was about my wife, we'd be changing the podcast name to 90 minutes. (laughs) Let's get it on. The term greenwashing was first coined in a 1986 essay by the environmentalist Jay Westervelt. At the time, the hotel industry was beginning to ask patrons to reuse towels as a way to reduce water and have a positive environmental impact. Westervelt's contention was that the effort was really just a cost savings measure for the hotels. But they were clever and realized that if this was something they were going to do anyway, let's bundle it under an environmental message and boost PR too. The underlying ethos of the hotel, nor the broader activities, wouldn't need to change. But boom, they could now be considered a green hotel. Greenwashing the hotel with dirty towels. Today, understanding a corporation's values are more important than ever. And these values are increasingly aligned towards taking meaningful steps to combat climate change. The question for consumers and investors is, which of these companies are really taking action? and which are doing business as usual, but packaging it up as environmentally friendly for the public. Greenwashing comes in lots of forms and sizes. Let's dig into six of the more common types, each of which have their clever little play on the greenwashing vernacular. Green crowding, for instance. This is where companies join a coalition of similar peers and hide themselves in the crowd, moving at the speed of the slowest adopter in order to avoid being called out. It's like when you were in your high school band or chorus, but never practiced, you'd stand up on stage and let everyone else sing the song for you while you mouthed the words. In today's world, corporations have any number of coalitions that they can join to promote their environmental attributes. Science-based targets, RE100, EV100, alliance to end plastic waste. But if the company is promoting their inclusion in the crowd versus the individual actions that they're taking to lead in that space, that may just be a dressed-up version of green crowding. Another category, green hushing. This is where a firm deliberately under-reports their sustainability activities in order to appear to be more green than they truly are. By limiting transparency, the company gets the benefit of publicly committing to sustainable initiatives, but doesn't open themselves up to exposure and criticism on the execution of those commitments. For instance, an investment portfolio company could release a statement that they're actively focused on ESG funds and companies that have sound environmental policies. But 
that investment company may not release their criteria in order to, quote, keep the playing field level for all participants. Makes it sound like they're doing something, but without the transparency, how can we be sure? Part of that challenge is a lack of strict universal standards for what is and is not considered sustainable. The Science-Based Targets Initiative is tackling that head-on by creating a peer-reviewed standard and holding companies accountable to their targets. So far, over 4,000 companies have signed on to publicly share their activities. Third category, green rinsing. This is where a company sets an ESG target and then regularly adjusts the target or timeline before they miss their commitment. If you're not diligently following a company's sustainability report, would you even know that the target date went from 2030 to 2035? Take Coca-Cola, for example. The think tank Planet Tracker revealed that the big beverage behemoth originally issued a 50% target for using recycled packaging materials in their products back in 2020. By 2022, that number had magically fallen to 25%. Hmm. Green labeling, where a product claims to be green right up until you examine it a bit closer and find out that that is super misleading. Unilever was hit with an ad ban in 2022 over their Persil product, where their advertisements touted an environmentally friendly formula, complete with images of kids planting trees and plant symbols on the packaging. The EU found that Unilever had done little to prove that the new product was in any way better for the environment and slapped the company with an ad ban. Green shifting where a company implies that it's actually the consumer that is at fault and shifts the blame to them. Take recycling. I mean, there's nothing wrong with consumers doing their best to recycle their waste, but shifting the burden onto the customer misses a huge point. Take Nespresso, a major player in the disposable coffee pod market. Their aluminum capsules are a landfill menace, so the company introduced a recycling program to shift the burden onto their customers to do something about those used pods. But wouldn't a biodegradable pod make more sense in the first place? And the last category, green lighting, where a product or company shines a spotlight on a particular green feature in order to distract from more environmentally harmful activities. Here, we can easily point to a number of different examples. Take BP, which famously changed their name to Beyond Petroleum in order to highlight their new mission towards the energy transition. But Client Earth points out that 96% of their investments continue to be allocated to oil and gas. Or what about the auto industry, where it seems that every ad on TV highlights a new electric vehicle and some company's commitment to getting to zero emissions? But say Toyota? They're the largest car company in the world and have long fought the EV revolution in favor of their hybrid models. In April, they came around and announced 10 new EV models, almost at the same time that it was reported that their CEO had lobbied the Japanese government to support hybrid cars as much as they were supporting EVs or risk losing the auto industry support. Greenwashing is insidious. Change is tough, and transitioning to cleaner energy or more sustainable practices can be costly and exhausting. But for every company that is making those investments and can truly point towards their progress, there's another that is green crowding or green hushing their way towards similar perception. As an informed consumer, the best you can do is ask questions and look for transparency. Green parency? Yeah, okay, I'll work on that one. 
One last note. As I was doing my research for this episode, I had the good fortune to come across an article in Euronews on the topic. Lots of what I talked about today came from that article, and I encourage you to follow the link in the show notes to learn more. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.